Good morning, everyone. My name is JD. I'm one of the pastors at Pine Lake Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us in worship this morning. I'm so glad to be with all of you. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the ways you love us, for the ways that you have carried us in this week. Thank you, God, for gathering us together again. Lord, I pray for every family, for every person, God, for every single image bearer that is represented, that is connected through this digital space. Lord, we pray for your presence and for your light to enter into our lives. God, we bring all of ourselves to you, our hopes, our aches, our longings, and we ask, dear God, that we would hear from you and receive from you this morning. So we open our hearts, we bring all of ourselves. Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Good morning. We are Dave and Carol, and we are the Anderson family. Today's reading is from Ezra 3, 10 through 13. We'll be reading from the New International Version. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Mark Meredith, and I'm going to uh, begin this morning by making a distinction between two important roles in the Old Testament, between that of the priest and then that of the prophet. So a priest is somebody who encourages you alongside, and they comfort you, and we have a need for priests today, and uh, they're kind of part of the system, kind of the part of the religious system in Israel. And uh, then contrasted with that is a prophet. Usually it's one person who's outside of that system, who speaks with God's voice into it because that system has kind of gotten stale or off course. And they generally uh, challenge people to act in some new way uh, that would be in in a way of faith or faithfulness towards God. And as we'll see, it can also be encouraging. Uh, my goal or hope for today is that we would go away from our time together and more encouraged in our hearts as we consider the new things that God might be doing right now in our world. Well, this is the beginning of uh, a series, a short series called Seeing Beyond This. And the this, we're going to play with that word, but for us, the this is these days that we're in with the virus. So uh, we want to see beyond this and see what God might be doing. And one of the things that we want to look at is that God tends to, it seems like in the Bible, very often he'll take someone who's in a place of a mess or looks, everything looks really small. And he uses that as a beginning point for something new. And uh, we're going to see that today. So small things lead to new things. And Probably the biggest uh, example of that in the Bible is the smallness of the manger 
at Christmas time, leading to the newness of Jesus Christ coming into our world and blessing our world. So I'd uh, like to get the, the screen on the screen right now, our, our three our, uh, point outline here. And we're going to start with seeing the rubble, seeing the kind of that that mess that is there and how small we are in the midst of that, how small our situation is. And then go on to seeing the new thing that God wants to do and then finally seeing beyond this to what might be in our future. So uh, seeing the rubble, and we have to go back a little bit here. Uh, Bear with me for a moment, do a little history here, but even back to last week, we were with Moses, and he was looking across at the end of his life into the promised land, and uh, that's all he got to do was to see it. And that was roughly 1400 B.C., and then 500 years later, uh, there's a temple being built in Jerusalem, finally, by Solomon. And it's a beautiful temple, magnificent, glorious temple. People came from all over and marveled at that temple. And um, then the period of the kings goes on for roughly 300 years till about 600 B.C., and this is also when we see the, pro, uh, the prominence of the prophet speaking into the kings because the kings were oftentimes wandering, wandering far from God and they were not leading the nation well. And finally, uh, the nation ends up in a, in a bad place, uh, which was predicted by the prophets. And then they were sent into exile into Babylon, which was the world power of, of that time in history. And uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, said that that period would last 70 years and then they would come back. And they did come back uh, around 536. They came back into the land. And that's where we have the reading from Ezra that was read for us. And um, what they're seeing as they come back is the need for a temple. And the temple was that it was the religious center of the nation. But so for Israel to be a nation was hard to imagine without a temple. But it was also that place uh, in the uh, temple uh, theology. The temple is that place where heaven and earth meet, where God dwells in in some uh, more intense and powerful way. And so that it also meant that for Israel. And so they they were in a hurry to rebuild the temple. So uh, they begin and they build the foundation. And this is again in 536. And a couple of things happen as uh, they, they see two things. They see, first of all, how small the foundation is compared with, at least some of the people see how small it was compared with the old temple that Solomon had built. And then they also see the pile of rubble that is just part of the ruins of the city around the temple. And then uh, they have two reactions to that. Uh, the younger group, it seems, sees the glass as half full. And here, here's my glass. They see it as half full and they rejoice greatly because they can see that maybe God is going to do a new thing. And um, the temple is a symbol of that new thing. Well, the older people who remembered the glory of the past temple and maybe they were just nostalgic. uh, They uh, are sad. They are so sad. They lament. They weep over how small this new temple is compared with the old temple. And so they are seeing the glass as half empty. And uh, 
there may have been a, a little bit of uh, perfection is the enemy of good enough. Maybe you've heard that saying. Uh, and that's, that's exactly how it plays out. Those who were hearing this great uproar, um, it seems like the voices of sadness were greater than the voices of joy because that's the direction that history took for Israel. They, they did not rebuild the temple uh, for another 20 years before it was complete. So uh, that's the rubble, or the situation at least, that uh, we read about in Ezra. Now for the prophet. And I want to go to Zechariah uh, chapter 4. And Zechariah is, um, this is not a place that um, we go to very often. But he has some some very uh, choice words for us today, I believe. And he certainly did for the people at that time. And the first thing he says, and you'll see it on the screen, is from verse 10. He asks a rhetorical question. Who despises the day of small things? Who is it that, I mean, how how can you know who God, this is the God who loves to take a a small thing and turn it into a new thing. Now, who despises that? And that voice comes through in in the prophet to the people. And we need to hear that. Uh, we need to realize how much we see is, is depends on how we see the glass and that there are two different ways to look at that glass. Um, we, we need people around us who can help us imagine what could be out of what it what seems like is and that is isn't a permanent thing. Uh, one of my favorite sayings, and I need to hear it, believe me, I need to hear it, is unless your imagination is bigger than your memories, you have no future. I'm not always the most positive person in the world, but I need people around me that remind me that unless my imagination is bigger than my memories, I have no future. Some of you need to hear that. And to consider the possibilities of what God is doing right now or might be doing in the near future, in these times, as we look at our rubble, as we see how small things seem to be in our world, or at least in our our personal worlds. Well, Isaiah was another prophet who wrote uh, a little bit before this. He's one of the, the major prophets. And in Chapter 43, verse 18. Uh, We'll get that on the screen for you, and I'll read it. God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God is a God who does new things. And our focus on the past, our focus on the rubble, can limit what we actually see. And just keep keep reminding yourself that in the Bible... When God has done new things, he usually starts with small things. So I I wanted to share with you from my life uh, a memory that is is etched there for me. And um, in 1995, I transitioned from being a business person to a church planter. And we drove up the uh, Alaska Highway, pulled into town in July and uh, I quickly realized that um, I, I wouldn't have used these words at the time, but there's a, there's a rubble here. There's some really fine people who love God and who have no confidence 
in going into the future. They're seeing the past, and they've had some failures, and um, they're having a hard time getting confidence to go into the future. So roughly in October, yeah, I think it was, say, mid-October, uh, and we were just two weeks away from uh, our first opening uh, service with, with the community invited. Um, we, we were meeting on Sunday nights still at that time, and I remember actually preaching out of this passage. It's the only other time that I've preached from the book of Zechariah that I can remember and it was the same passage, and I said these, uh, I brought up the same words from verse 10. Uh, Do not despise the day of small things, or who despises the day of small things? And look around, folks. We are a small thing. And we are, in a sense, there's a mountain of rubble that's, that's around us. As we look at uh, our situation, it's really, it, it seems kind of impossible that we would be able to um, do great things here. So um, preached that sermon and then invited people, those who could, to come the following Friday night up to uh, a mountain that overlooked the city where people hiked from. And we, you could drive up there, and it was uh, in uh, so mid-October. It was, it, winter is fast approaching. It was cold. I just remember how cold it was. And it was late afternoon. It was starting to get dark. And the thing I remember is that you could see the homes down below, and you can see the lights start to come on in those homes. And uh, taking that as a cue to pray for um, the people in those homes to have the light of Christ in their homes. And what a difference that can make in, in, in a home, in a family, in people's lives. And so we prayed in that way, in that, in that way on that day and prayed that God's spirit would move and that he would take us as a small Group of people who don't have it all together. We have rubble and mess in our lives and take us and use us and whatever you want to do, Lord, uh, we pray that we will be used by you and the gospel be the center of all that. So we, that was our prayer. The, the thing that I, so I, I have that memory and then I saw that as kind of like laying the foundation as we see here in our, our story today. And we built upon that. Uh, people did step out in faith. And the result of that, for me, at least one of the results is that now 25 years later, I get emails quite regularly from people who were touched by that ministry. I got one just this week from a woman who uh, she had come alive in Christ on an Easter, at an Easter service. And she continues every year around Easter to uh, give thanks for what God did through that uh, that time in her life. And I, um, so it's, it's just this blessing. And we were able to touch the military that came through, literally thousands of people because of the way the military works that were touched uh, as, as things go out. And uh, what a, I mean, it, and it was, we were such a small thing, such a mess in so many ways. And God did it to do a new thing. So consider that as you think about the world we're in today and what God might want to do. Now, let's let's look at a little bit more of seeing beyond here. And the prophet is going to say something else that's so encouraging for us to hear. Just it's, it's that it's one of those verses that I hope everybody has in their memory bank. And this is from uh, Zechariah chapter four, verse six. 
the Lord says, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit. And what he's saying is that that's how the that's how this temple is going to get built. You see, what Zechariah is coming along uh, roughly 16 years later, so around 520, and speaking these words, they had put it on hold for those 16 years. They'd gotten wrapped up in their own lives and their own priorities, and they had forgotten about and, and become discouraged around the, the idea of building, rebuilding the temple of God. So Zechariah is speaking this into him. And it's not going to happen by your giftedness. It's not going to happen through technology. It's not going to happen through military might or through sheer exertion of will. It's going to happen by my spirit. Now, what that means, let's translate that a little bit. What that means is that God is going to inspire his people. God didn't just do it all for them. It took another four years for that temple to finally get rebuilt. And uh, so during those four years, these people were, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we get from this text. But the inspiration led to perspiration, if I can put it that way. They worked hard because they were filled with a spirit. They were filled with a, a vision of what could be this this new temple, uh, the, what it would mean to them and to their children going forward. So they got really focused. The inspiration of the spirit led to the perspiration uh, on their part. And so it, it, that's usually how it works. God, he, he does amazing things through people who are obedient to him. So that's... Uh, that's an encouraging word to us, and we might we might think of how that would apply as we pray for our world, as we look around us and see things right now. We see the mess and the smallness and the rubble of our own lives, and oh God, it's by Your Spirit. It's it, we need Your Spirit, and we we just let's just pray right now. I'll just pray as we go here. Oh Lord, fill us with Your Spirit. God, give us eyes to see what your spirit might do through us as we look upon the rea- what we call the reality of life. Help us to see beyond this reality into what your spirit might do. Give us eyes, we pray. All right, so there's that. And then one more thing we need to touch on before we close. And I'll just ask the question, why is this temple so important? Why did God want the uh, prophet Zechariah to put this give this word? Uh, what, this temple's going to get destroyed anyway. I mean, that's seems like a, a lot to go through. But we remember, let's go back to what a temple is. It's that nexus point, that, that intersection of heaven and earth. And the first temple in the Bible is the Garden of Eden. That, that was a garden temple where God dwelled and where people lived. And it was there. Uh, we, could, we could call that the first temple. So uh, this temple that we have rebuilt in 516, let's just go forward about 500 years, actually to to roughly 20 BC, and Herod the Great begins to adorn it, to make it bigger, to make it more like Solomon's temple from way, way, way before. And uh, Herod is called the Great because he was a great builder. He was not a great person. In fact, he was a very, we could say this without being any, without being judgmental at all, you can say Herod was a very bad man. 
who poisoned his own wife and killed his own sons, and I could go on and on and on. So, uh, but he was he was a great builder. So it's an ironic great that we attach to his name. He wanted an edifice for himself beyond his own life, and this was what he left behind was this temple. And Jesus Christ was not impressed when he was at the temple with his disciples, who were impressed by this great edifice. Uh, and they, they were asking him about it. And Jesus said, uh, tear this temple down and I will rebuild it in three days. And uh, Jesus was talking about a more important temple, his own body. And he, think about this, he is the nexus point between heaven and earth. Fully divine. It's that place where humanity and divinity meet. That is the temple of God. It's where we have access to God. Jesus Christ is the ultimate temple of God in this world. Now, go a little further. The Apostle Paul says that we who are in Christ, and that would be, if you're a Christian, you are in Christ. That's that's the definition. We who are in Christ are temples of the Holy Spirit. That God, that Holy Spirit, who does those new things, like rebuild a temple, that he is dwelling in us, That people have access to God through us. And it's it's talk about an identity booster that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You in, in your mess in your smallness in your rubble are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That is a new thing that God has done. And that's a new thing that God wants to continue to do. And we don't know exactly how that's going to work into our future. But just know this, that God is the God who takes small things and turns them into new things. And you and I are small things. And our world seems, at least my world seems like a small thing right now. And that possibility of God wanting to do something new through something small today. Lift up our eyes. Let's lift up our eyes to the Lord. Let us see what God might want to do through us. The possibilities that are there. I said we were going to get encouraged today, and I hope you're encouraged. Amen.